This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the anointing of God again. We're talking about different kinds of anointings tonight, how to increase the anointing in your life. I know that all of you haven't been here for all of these and etc. So I'm going to hit three real quick passages that we've looked at for a refresher. It might be the first time you've seen them. But look at Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Dylan, where are you? Is he teaching children's church? Uh, yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, Isaiah 10, 27. Dave McNeil, give me a shout. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I like some excitement about the Word because that's excited about Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 10, 27, talking about the anointing, gives us God's definition of the anointing. And you know, I know that uh, with modern things like Googles and all those things and all the Internet things like that, and even even back in the olden days, like 10 years ago or whatever, we used to just have dictionaries to go to and things like that. And so a lot of times, if you look up words... That unsaved people try to tell you that the Bible means you might get the wrong meaning. And so when I, when I look at the Bible and look at the God words that God gives me to live by, I want to know what God says they are. Amen? And so Isaiah 10 verse 27, God says this, and this is prophesied approximately 750 years before the birth of Christ. God says, as will come to pass in that day, that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And what this is talking about is people, do you know that if somebody's addicted to drugs, or alcohol, or whatever it is, that's a yoke? That's a bondage? That's, ha- that's having spiritual chains around your, around your neck, around your life by the devil. And you can't fight demon spirits with natural things. You can go all the rehab you want to go to. You can take all the treatments you want to take and things like that, but demon spirits don't listen to those things. All you can do when you're dealing with things like that is try to try to try to drug the body so the body can't move too fast to do things and try to try to try to mess with people's heads in ways that are just not right, but the demons are still there. But God says it's going to come to pass when Messiah comes that he's going to have anointing for the people of the earth and that anointing will take those bondages off. And the only way I've ever seen drug addicts and alcoholics really get set free is giving their lives to Jesus and then the anointing of God working in their lives. When the anointing, when the anointing of God comes in, according to this verse right here, God says his anointing, paraphrase from this verse is this, it's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. <clears throat> the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. With the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God is allowed to work in your life. I don't care what the problem is. It's not, it's not too big for the anointing. Because God said it won't just break the yoke. A lot of people say break. Well, you know, I think about a break. I think about guys like Dave that knows how to weld, Chuck Welders, and people like that. If something's just broken, you can weld it back together, put it together. But God says it only will destroy the yoke. Amen. 
And so in my life, in my life, I know this talk to somebody the other day, they talked about quitting smoking or something like that. Said, well, how'd you quit? I said, I didn't quit, I got delivered. I was a serious nicotine addict. I loved to drink Miller High Life beer, PBR, whatever, whatever we had at the time like that. How'd I get, how'd, 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 how'd I quit drinking? I didn't, I got delivered. God's anointing. My family was serious alcoholics. God's anointing broke that off my life, but I've never went back to it. That yoke was destroyed because of the anointing. Can you see that? And so that's what God says the anointing is. It's not a nice fuzzy feeling. It's the power of God released to set you free from the devil that wants to destroy your life. Now I want you to look at another place. Go to Luke 4.18. This is the thing we've looked at for the last few weeks, but look at Luke 4.18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And so, when you read the book of Luke, in chapter 3, Jesus was baptized in water, and then the Holy Ghost came down on him. And when the Holy Ghost came down on him, he was filled with the Spirit, and then he began to operate in a public ministry. But then as he's preached in the synagogue, in verse 18, he's quoting out of Isaiah 61, and we read Isaiah 61 a few times when we've been doing this. But Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me. He's anointed me with the bird removing, yoke destroying power of God to preach the gospel. There's anointing to preach. And then he says, Preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal because of that anointing. The brokenhearted, the priest delivers with the anointing to the captives, the captives to drugs, to perversions, to alcoholics, and whatever it is, that's a captive. He said, I've got the anointing to preach the gospel, the good news to the captives. The good news is, Jesus said, I've got anointing from the Holy Ghost, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to set you free. Amen. So there's anointing for that. And said, and recovered a sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Set at liberty them that are bruised. Not only will Jesus set you free, but to heal your heart with the anointing. And you know, I know that what I've learned over the years so many times, so many times in dealing with crisis situations in the families, deaths, divorces, loss of jobs and incomes and really bad things going on. I've always told them, let me pray for you. I want to release the anointing of God into your life. And that's what Jesus says, that anointing will heal the brokenhearted. You know, I just, I learned a long time ago, in dealing with people in really, really bad, bad situations, just saying things like, I know how you feel, I don't know how you feel. I've had crises in my life, but the one you're going through, I don't know what it's like to be on your side. But on my side, I know what I've got, I've got anointing. And so I'm telling you that uh, I don't have a magic wand. I can't do miracles, but the one in me can. And when I release anointed into your life, he will, he will, he not only will get you through this time, he'll help you make it through life without killing yourself or something. He'll help you. The anointing will heal that heart. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I know what your broken heart's like right now, because I don't. I've never been through what you're going through. But the one that can take care of you, he does know. And he's anointed me. Because, see, something we have to remember is this. The same Holy Ghost that Jesus had is the exact same Holy Ghost that we have. There's not two Holy Ghosts. 
Because not a Holy Ghost back then, now a Holy Ghost now. And so, if Jesus had the Holy Ghost at anointing, we could have that same Holy Ghost and same anointing. Amen? Now, I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is still review stuff from things we've seen. But we need to see this. And I, w- I want to tell you something else as faith people from the Word of God. When God gives you something, you've got to talk about it. You've got to confess you've got it. Do you notice what Jesus said when he's reading? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed. And so if we've got the same Holy Ghost, we need to get, begin to start not looking at our own ability and what we can do. But we need to look at the greater one in us and say, greater is in me than he that's in the world. And then I'm anointed with the same Holy Ghost Jesus had. And we're dealing with family members or friends going through things. we got to know that we're going to minister to them. It's not just us of our own ability, but it's God in us, working through us. And, let, and just knowing that we're helping people. And we look at people. i tell you what, I cannot tell you some of the tragedies I've been in, in my life helping people. That there's no way, there's no way I could have had any hope for them. Except I know the greater one's in me. And when I pray for them, I'll never forget when my 42-year-old music minister died. I was with his wife and five kids there at the hospital. That dead body laid on the bed in there, and I tried to bring him back to life. Couldn't get him back. I remember out there in the parking lot of the hospitals, all those little kids stood there crying. His, what was she then? She was a lot younger than him. She was probably in her mid-30s. Husband laying there dead with five kids. What kind of answers did I have? But I remember little Stephen... See him on Facebook all the time. Now, little Stephen was about, oh, I suspect he was probably about 10 or 12 years old. But, you know, some little kids seem to be smarter than other kids about life. And we were standing there, Stephen said, Pastor, what are we going to do about money? Mom has to have money. He said, what are we going to do? And I said, Stephen, I don't know what, but I know who. And we took them through those things. They came through it. But I'm talking about the situations we're in. What I've said is this is for you. You've got to not look at people's situations and what you can do for them. You've got to start having confidence in the Holy Ghost in you. And the anointing in you. And you've got to start knowing that I can't meet your need. But the one that can lives in me. And he showed me in the Bible what to do. And he gave me flesh and blood human beings like pastors. The spiritual leaders that they've demonstrated as examples. Here's how you help people. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. And so Acts chapter 1 verse 8. <clears throat> and this is Jesus talking, talking to the ones that were there. But he's the same yesterday and forever as for us too. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It says you receive power. Well, that word power... It's the same word for anointing. He says, you receive God's bird-removing, yoke-destroying power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And so when you are a born-again believer, even if you're not a tongue-talker yet, you got anointing. You become a tongue-talker, then you get boldness to use that anointing more. Amen. And so the same anointing, when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me, well, he said right here, the Spirit of the Lord's upon you. He's anointed you too with that same power. You need to start confessing, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, and I'm full of the power of God. The same Holy Ghost Jesus had, I have. I want you to look at one more place. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And we're talking about the anointing. And it's not just a Bible word. The anointing needs to be a part of our everyday consciousness. And I want to say this about faith again. You know, also, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. And sight's part of the sense realm, which is part of our physical realm. And so I always like to say it this way. I live, I live by the word, not by my senses. That's the same thing as saying, I live by faith and not by sight. I live by what the word says, not by my feelings. I remember when I was in Bible school, it, guy, man teaching on prayer, made this statement one day. Said, if you gotta have goosebumps and the hair stand up on the back of your neck and know that God heard your prayer, he said, I'll get you a block of ice. Every time you pray, sit on the ice, when you get the goosebumps, you say, well, God heard me. Amen. You know, that, 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 that sounds funny, but I, I'll bet you there's probably a good majority of you that sometimes you don't feel real spiritual, you're not sure that God heard you. Amen. I learned off Brother Hagin, the only evidence I need that Jesus heard my prayers working on it is what the Word of God says. When the Bible says, whatever says you're believing for, you look at those problems, when you pray those, even if you don't feel anything, you need to just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to thank you, the Bible says. Start saying what the Bible says, and that's when you begin to learn, that's when you begin to live out of your spirit and not out of your feelings. That's the highest level of faith. Amen. And so Luke, uh, Acts 10, 38. This, this is, this, this is Peter preaching. He said, how God anointed, and we're talking about the anointing, and what's the definition of the anointing again? I want you to get this into your thinking. Isaiah 10, 27 says, the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroyed, power of God. How many know that sometimes there's preachers that preach and nothing really happens. It might be because they're not walking in the anointing. But there's other times when preachers are preaching, everybody in the congregation, if they were to be able to testify and talk, say, wow, he was talking to me. He was talking to me. He was talking to me. That's because that preaching had anointing, which had power in it. And that power went right through your head, right to your heart. And God showed you something. Amen. And so it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by their feelings, by society, by other people. Oppression comes from the devil. Oppression comes from the devil. It says that God anointed him. He went about healing everybody oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How many know that the Holy Ghost is God? And when you've got the Holy Ghost and you've got power, you can get people delivered. You know, you know this oppression he's talking about, there's lots of different forms, but have you ever been just having a great high time, man? You've been living a great season of your life. Everything, the Bible's just jumping off at you and you're loving the Word of God. You're loving your prayer time. You're going to church, man. You're just jumping up and down. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get up and think, Man, I, I just feel lost. I feel stupid. I feel like God's not here. I just feel so stupid. I feel so dumb. I don't even feel safe. That's called oppression coming in. For no reason. 
And you know, you might, you might call your best friend if anybody still calls anymore, not text or Instagrams and all the fake stuff, you know. But, you know, you might say to somebody, I don't know what's going on. I've got no reason to be depressed, but I'm totally depressed. Well, Jesus said you'll have what you say. So if you want to say you're totally depressed, go for it. I'm sure that you'll come out of sooner or later if you live long enough. But if you don't, maybe God will send some believer that knows about the anointing. And they'll lay hands on you and get it off of you. I'm no better preaching than you are shouting. I'm telling you how this works. And, you know, we teach you things like David encouraged himself in the Lord, but that was on him. And why do you think David wrote so many psalms? That's because that hit David all the time as he wrote out of his heart what God put in his heart. And when that oppression tries to get on us as believers, as faith people, we need to know how to shout it out. We need to start praising, jumping, dancing, and things like that. But the main thing is, what I'm telling you is this, because that oppression, it says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power or anointing to get that oppression off of people. And so that anointing will get rid of that oppression and depression. And those things try to keep you down and knock you out. But you've got to be people of faith to know how to use this. Amen? And so tonight I want to talk about some different kinds of anointings. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 20 and 27. And I call this the believer's anointing. This is the believer's anointing. 1 John chapter 2 talks about the believer's anointing. I'll give you a chance to get there because, uh, you know, when you see things in your own Bible, it helps you to grasp it a whole lot better. And it gets, it's more likely to get into your heart if you look at it on the page of your own Bible. First John chapter 2, verse 20. King James says, but you have an unction from the Holy One. That unction is the Greek word that means anointing. And this is talking to believers, not to preachers. But preachers are a believer first, so preacher better have some anointing first of all. But he said that you, because you know First John's talked to the believers. So God is saying to every one of you, he's saying to me, that I've got an anointing from the Holy One. I've got an unction from the Holy One. And I, I heard a preacher say years ago, he called this the unction to function. The unction to function. We've got a function in everyday life. At everyday life, we've got to be conscious that we have anointing. we got to be conscious that we're anointed. And I learned years ago, I learned years ago that when Jesus said, Believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that I'm going through life. Sometimes hit me during, during, during life. And there's lots of times during praise and worship. I've, I've been up here during praise and worship with that seat there, worshiping God. And stuff trying to get on me. I just take my hand because I've got an unction. I say, Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You're not going to mess with my head. I'll be ready to preach and help people get out of here. I, I release anointing because he said, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. They shall recover. I'll be going through life. And uh, I told Mrs. Pastor, where, where's good old Robert at? Hey, Robert, are, are you paying attention? Okay. I know you are. But Robert turned me on a while back to these little old things that Jack in the Box. What are those things called? I had a little tacos. Man, those things are really good. But I don't eat them anymore on Wednesday night. I stopped back there twice on Wednesday night, got the little hot taco things. They were delicious. 
And all night long in my bed, I laid there going, thank you, Jesus, for the anointing. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the anointing. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the anointing. Oh, forgive me, Lord. I'm not going to do that again. I did it twice. I don't do it anymore. But I'm so glad I did not have to find the prayer line. Because I am the prayer line for my life. And so there's anointing in me. That's the unction to function. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have a believer's anointing. And look at verse 27. He says it again. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Abides in you. When you're born again, you get a measure of anointing as a believer. And, you know, I just want to say this again. Because I know a lot of you. How do I know you? Well, I know you because I get to see you through your mask sometimes. And I get to see your pretty face on Facebook sometimes. And I'm glad we don't have a whining church anymore. I'm glad we don't have the whiners on Facebook. And I'm not talking about drinking the wine. I'm talking about the crybabies. People, people, so many people, because they don't feel anointed today, they cry out on Facebook their feelings. And then they have what they say. And then they say what they have, and then they go down and not up. They get down in life. But he says, the Bible says, in verse 27, says that anointing that you have received, if you're born again, you have received. That anointing, said that anointing stays with you. And so, you have to stir yourself sometimes to stir that anointing up. And if you begin to stir that anointing up by praising God, confessing the word of God, and rejoicing in how good he is, that anointing begins to bubble up in your life. Things begin to happen, and then the good feelings come back again. Amen? But we don't live by feelings. We're supposed to live by the anointing, by the Word of God. And so that's the believer's anointing, and every believer has that. And now, uh, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and I want to look at the preacher's anointing. Now, remember Jesus said in Luke four eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach. But then, as Christ's representatives, I, 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 I'm a called, gifted uh, pastor sent by God. Well, I'm at a different, a different level than just a believer. I'm a believer first, but then I'm a preacher. But in Ephesians 4, 7, talking about the preacher's anointing here, five-fold minister's anointing. Ephesians 4, 7, talking to preachers, says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Well, I've, I've, I've told you this so many times. Christ was not Jesus' last name. Christ was the ministry office that Jesus walked in and walks in today. That means Messiah. Comes from the word Christos. Means anointing. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the anointing. So what he says right here. Real simple. All of us preachers have been given grace. Grace means divine enablement. According to the measure of the gift of the anointing. And so, there's a higher level, different kind of anointing that preachers have than believers have. You know, I think about, I've thought about so many times. I was such a fearful person to talk in front of people for I was anointed to preach. I remember I'd sit in the break room back in my truck driving days. I'd almost cry if somebody wanted to talk to me because I just lived in fear. I just was very, very, very timid. I didn't want to talk. 
But I'll tell you what now, I've got that divine enablement to do this. I've got that burden removing, yoke destroying power on me to the level to be a, a preacher that can preach to hundreds if I need to. Thousands. Or dozens. Or whatever. It's because he said, now look, listen to this, these words he said here. Every one of us preachers give a divine enablement. That's why, that's why I could be in a death room with people going through crisis. God's gave me special enablement with his anointing to help these people. But if I didn't have that enablement, there's no way. There's no way I'd want to be stepping into a family crisis. But God's enabled me to do that. And then according to the measure of the gift, well, what that means is if we have different measures or quantities of anointing we need compared to what God wants us to do. If I had a 10,000-member church, I'd have 10,000 more times anointing than I got for this church. If I had a church that had, had 20 people in it, I wouldn't require near as much anointing to minister 20 people as I would two or 300 people. And so that's what God says. He gives us the level of anointing we need according to the assignment he gives us. Amen. Can you see that? That's what he says. It says, according to the measure of what we're called to do, that's how anointing we need. You know why that is? God doesn't waste anything. Amen. God's not going to waste anything. He gives us what, he need, what we need, but then as faith people, we need to use our faith to use all that God gives us. And so, if he, if Jesus boldly confessed, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, and he confessed it. At Acts 10, 38, Peter tells us he confessed it, and he walked in it. You need to confess until it gets in you every day. I'm anointed to cut hair down here, Diana. I'm anointed to cut this hair. This is my ministry. When I lay hands on these people's heads, there's anointing coming out of my fingers into their hair. And then I was talking to Nick a while ago, kind of, kind of gross to me, but talking about these toenail jobs people do. I wouldn't do a toenail job on anybody. I don't even want to do my own toenails. But if you're called to do toenails or fingernails and you're a believer, you should be confessing every day. When I go in here today, there's anointing in my hands, in my fingers. As I touch these people's fingernails, as I do their toenails, what I do, I'm releasing anointing into their lives. I just want to thank you, Jesus. I'm helping these people. There's anointed in me. And you know, I think about all you that work in the, uh, with the children, you know, Tony, the things all you guys do that work there like that. You guys need to be confessing every day. We've got God's anointing in us to help these people. We've got God's anointing. No matter how, how bad civil situations look, you need to be confessing. I've got the anointing of God to deal with this and I can do this and get beyond yourself and let God jump in. Amen. Amen. And Jamie, you need to be confessing that. And I don't know what you guys go through, but I know this one thing that you got to be dealing with some pretty serious situations. I'll tell you what, it's not too serious for the anointing. Amen. And you need to be confessing. You, you, if you need to, you need to go to First, first John 2.20 and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I've got that anointing to function today. I want to thank you. I'm anointed. I'm going to help these people no matter what it is. There's no devil that's too mean or too tough for the anointing of God. That this anointing will remove those birds, destroy those yokes because I'm anointed. Amen? You know, I'm teaching you how this works. Jesus told us we'll have what we say. He told us to confess our faith. We need to be confessing. We've got faith in that anointing. Now, the third kind of anointing, I call the corporate anointing, 
or congregational anointing, the anointing goes when a bunch of believers are together. I want you to look at Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Because there's, there's, there's a, the highest level of anointing is a congregational anointing or the corporate anointing. When we work together with one heart, with one goal of pleasing Jesus and loving on Jesus. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Now this is the Old Testament congregation here of the Hebrews. Says it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Well, Katie, you don't be playing the guitar by yourself all the time. Sometimes you're going to have some other people with you. <laughs> but it says, as they came together as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lift up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, talk about a worship service, and praise the Lord, say, for he's good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. That's the glory of God coming in. And when the presence of God comes in, the anointing comes in, in a much higher measure. And so it says that the priests could not stand to minister, they could not stand up. The anointing, the presence of God was so heavy they couldn't stand up. I've been in a lot of services like that, and I know some of you have too. Sometimes when the power of God comes down, that's how people get slain in the Spirit. When the anointing of God hits a believer so strong, or even a sinner getting prayed for if they have to have... Uh, non-believers in, when the anointing of God comes on them, they can't stand. And people say, well, why did they fall down? They couldn't stand. Because the presence of the Lord. It says, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And what, what caused that glory, that anointing to come in so strong? This congregation together had one goal. Praise the Lord. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. Have you ever noticed that comes out? I mean, a lot of times I walk up and I start saying that. Well, see, with the Spirit of God's in you, the Spirit of God's going to glorify Jesus. In John chapter 16, he said the Holy Ghost will always glorify him. And so we come together as a congregation, and we begin to worship God like that. That anointing comes in. That's when you see the addicts that are sitting out there and get delivered and nobody prayed for them. That's when you see the husband and wife that were very close to divorce, they get back together because the anointing of God came in, that strong measure. And that anointing came in, it removed that burden, destroyed that yoke, it broke the power of the devil over that home. And that teenager that was about to drive you sane, all of a sudden come to their senses. You know why? Because the congregational anointing, the corporate anointing, brought the presence of God in so strong that no demon could stand up to the presence of God. That's a good time to shout. Amen. That's a good time to clap. <laughs> you know, you know, you do know that that verse that Pastor Dave's got us for the year, Isaiah 50 verse 2, that says, set your face like a stone. That doesn't mean a church where the preaching's going on. <laughs> Just teasing. I want you to look at one more, one more place on this. Look at Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> and we're talking about the corporate anointing. And, you know, the goal is, Think about this. I'm just, I'm just seeing this. So it's not even notes just coming out of me, but I'm just seeing something fresh. God's goal is this. 
Number one, for the believers to walk in the anointing God's given them as believers. For the preachers and the ministers of the church to walk in their preaching anointing, walk in our anointing, then we come together with your anointing and our anointing together, and we worship God together, then that all that anointing coming together gets amplified. And you know, I think about I think about the uh, magnifying glass in the sun. You know, you little sunbeam comes out, the little piece of glass could set a fire on, uh, set things on fire. And you think about the Book of Acts. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Tongues of fire. Why'd that happen? They were praying and worshiping God of one accord. And when they did, God was magnified. The Holy Ghost anointing came down, and that's when the church age began. In a congregation, believers come in, walking in their anointing. Pastors and singers and players up there, the musicians, walking in their anointing. Then all of a sudden, that presence comes in strong. And when it comes in strong, that's the time you want to have the people in your life that need help in the church. And so, you know, people, uh, <clears throat> because they haven't been taught properly, which I'm teaching you properly right now, people don't understand that what you do in the seat out there is just important what I do up here, or Pastor Dave or the singers up there do, because you've got anointing. And when you come in, when you come in, I like what, uh, where's Jesse at? Hey, Jess, I like what Jesse says about his mailbox. I see if I say this right, Jesse, this is Jesse's. He said that when he leaves his job to go home, he puts his problems in the job mailbox and doesn't bring work problems home. Like that, don't you, John? Just leave them there. John's his boss. <laughs> and so then he said, but then at the same time, and the boss is really like this, Jesse said, when I go to work, I put my family problems in the mailbox at home, and I don't take those problems to work. And so we need to get that attitude when we come to church. You know, if you're really a sick, messed up person by physically sick, mentally sick, or messed up in life, definitely bring your problems to church. And the anointing we have will get that off of you. But once you start getting that off of you, when you start coming to church, you need to start having the attitude, Jesus, I'm going to church, and I believe you're going to talk to me, you're going to help me. But at the same time, Lord, I know I've got an anointing inside of me too. I want to take my anointing into church. And Lord, everybody that I get to shake hands with, what I get to shake hands again. Everybody I get to high-five, everybody I get to hug, everybody I get to talk to, Lord, I believe that anointing I have is going to jump into them, and I'm going to do something to add to their life. And then, Lord, I believe that when I'm worshiping, when I'm worshiping, Lord, I believe the anointing around me, that I'm going to hook right up with it, and, Lord, we're just going to just offer up sweet praises to you, and that anointing is going to get strong. And people in the church, Lord, instead of praying, you know, you, we need to get away from the Jimmy prayer. I'm going to need Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. We need to start praying that we get to church. Lord, if there's anybody there today that needs help, then I just want to thank you, Lord. You could use me to help them if you want to. But the main thing is, I believe for the people going through things at church today, if they need healed, I believe the anointing's there going to heal them. Lord, if they've got mental problems, oppression, I believe, Lord, the pressure's going to leave them today. The anointing's going to get to them. And Lord, if there's marriage problems, I believe if they're going to sit in church today, that something's going to happen through the anointing of God. Those marriages are going to be helped. Those kids are going to... You see what I'm saying? Start using your faith for the anointing of God to get people help and get people set free. And what's the purpose of the anointing? Isaiah 10, 27. In that day, 
The burden's going to be removed. The yoke destroyed. That's the purpose of the anointing. The anointing is to set people free. But we've all got that anointing. And so we see those three different kinds of anointing. The, the, the believer's anointing, the preacher's anointing, and the corporate or congregational anointing. But I want to look at, real simple as we wind it down, some simple things that we can do to increase the anointing in our lives, both as believers and as ministers and as a church. Look at, look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And, you know, I, I want to say this. I said this last week. I think I looked, might have looked at this verse here even last week about Jesus. But we have anointing to minister, but any one of you that's going to help your neighbor, your friend, co-worker, family person, then you become a minister for the time. You need anointing higher than your anointing to help people. Amen. And I said something last week that I think, I think we need, I've learned by experience is this, that if I'm going to, if somebody wants to talk with me as a pastor to help them or as a fellow believer or whatever, that's not a serious crisis going on to say, hey, pastor, can you meet me for coffee? Can we go out and have lunch? I need to talk for a while. Okay, well, that, that doesn't take a whole lot of high-level stuff there to help them. But if somebody's having a marriage breakup, serious illness in the family, really tragic things, I don't want to meet you in the restaurant because my anointing will be stifled. It's very hard to release anointing in a carnal atmosphere like a restaurant. The waitress keeps coming up, but they don't please go correct. The server keeps coming up. The server keeps coming up and interrupting you. And so the anointing gets up and down, up and down, up and down. You lose it, or you get loud people around you, or stuff goes on, or when you're really getting into something, really release the anointing of God, you overstage your time. So I, I know what I've done in situations like that. I've told the server, I'm going to double your tip because I know if I was out of here, somebody else would be sitting in this booth. And so don't don't get upset because I'm taking all this time here. I'm going to bless you before I leave to make sure they don't lose money on me. Amen? But the best thing is... If you know somebody needs serious help, meet them somewhere where you won't be interrupted so the anointed God can really flow through you to help them through the crisis. Amen? Okay, Luke chapter 5, talk about how to increase your anointing. Verse 16, it says that Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Well, Jesus got alone. He unhooked from the crowds and the hustle bustle of life and prayed. And it came to pass then... On a certain day as he was teaching, there's all these religious people there. But I want you to notice then, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That means the anointing of God increased because Jesus unhooked from things. The worst thing you can do if you need your anointing to increase to help somebody is to spend a carnal season before you go to help them. You need to turn off your phone. You need to get off social media. You need to get by yourself in your prayer closet. You need to open your Bible, open your heart, and pray. And just say things like, Lord, I want to thank you. That I know that of my own self, I can do nothing. But Jesus, I know you. You're my good shepherd. And you said I know the voice of the good shepherd. And Jesus, I love these people so much. I love this person so much. And I know that I don't have the answers. A lot of good things I can say. But they may not be anointed things. But Jesus, I believe in you. You said you'd tell me at that day what words to say. As I'm asking you, Jesus, for your anointing now. 
I'm asking you, Jesus, for your words. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. He got by himself. And the wilderness just means he got away from everybody. He got by himself. You need to get by yourself where you help people and shut everything off. And then you go in there like that, you're the voice of God. And then the power of the Lord will be present in a greater measure. Does that make sense to you? Amen. 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 Look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're talking about how to increase the anointing that you have, whether it's your anointing as a believer or it's your anointing to minister to somebody. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. I'll give you a chance to get there. And I know that for me, when I was a truck driver, when I was a truck driver uh, and worked on truck docks, I'll tell you what, I never went to my job cold turkey if I could help it. By that mean, I never went to my job a single day unless things were just overwhelming. I couldn't get to it without having quality time with Jesus before I clocked in. I had my quality time. I had my prayer time. By the time I got to work, man, I could walk through the door no matter how many darts are coming my way. I walked through the door. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice be glad in it. I remember one time one of my critics on my job there, he called himself an atheist. I remember I'd had a long day out there, come walking on the dock, been driving a truck about 10 hours, going to all kinds. Of, I come walking on the dock there, and I heard him across the dock over there talking to other guys. He said, there ain't no reason I can be that happy all the time. <laughs> and I thought, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I went to bed with Jesus. I drove a truck all day with Jesus. I'm walking here with Jesus. And uh, how can you not be... As Pastor Dave says, happy. Because the one that gives you blessings lives in me. And if I'm blessed on the inside, on the outside, it shows happy. Amen. And so, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 6, verse 2. Church leaders getting everything's going, etc. But then he said in verse 2, the end of the, end of the verse there says, It's not reason, or it's not a good thing, that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. And so the preachers at that time, because the church was just getting established, they were doing all the work. They wouldn't let anybody help them. They realized, hey man, if we're going to have any anointing, we're going to let somebody else start doing some other things too and share this load because we can't be anointed to do what we're doing unless we get this thing turned around. Verse 4, because of time, I'm looking, just going through this now, said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. He said, we're going to unhook from all these natural things. And that's like in the church here. we got our ministry of health. People do a lot of things in the church there. It frees us preachers up in the church to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And then jump down to verse 7. So they unhooked from all the natural things and had the people do that. And this says, and the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And so what happened? When Jesus separated from the hustle bustle of life and prayed, what happened? The anointing increased. When these disciples, these apostles, unhooked and got serious in the word and prayed, faith was increased, anointing was increased, and it says that the the disciples multiplied. That means a whole lot more people got saved because it was more anointing. And so if you want greater results in your life to increase your anointing, and then as you do those things, it's going to be very obvious to people around you. You're going to have the atheists say, 
Well, there's no reason Doug should be that happy. They named a trade after him, Douglas the Trade. But he's happy all the time. It's not because that trade's got his name on it. Amen. Katie Brady. No reason that girl should be this happy all the time. Amen. And for all the rest of you, think about that. You begin to have that quality time that's not because you're a better person. It's because the anointed in you is coming out more. Anointed in you comes out more. And then instead of whining about how people are talking to you, you're praising God. That glory to God, the sinners, sinners give me a rough tide. That means I'm stirring up the demons and I got the anointing to take care of them. One more place now. One more place. This is it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're just going to look at verse 21 and 22 calls a time, but we're talking about increasing the corporate anointing. Talk about our congregational anointing, increasing it and I love this. This, this whole, this whole chapter is really good. But I just want to get up to the place we need to see because we're running out of time. And, uh, Pastor Dave runs the church down, got the children got to turn loose, so I, I'm submissive. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And so Jehoshaphat and Israel is surrounded by enemy armies that want to destroy them. And so let's break this down to to life where we are. There may be things that the devil has got you surrounded with trying to destroy you. Sicknesses, family troubles, job problems, whatever it is, surrounded by the enemy, and bad things are going on. And so it says then, that they rose early in the morning, this whole congregation, and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat, their leader, the king, stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you have us in Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall I be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. That's called listen to the anointed preachers. And then he says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. This is talking about the corporate anointing, corporate worship. And that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, verse 22, I want you to see this. This is critical for you, our church, for Christians that are together serving God to know this principle. And when they begin to sing and to praise, look at this. The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon. That's talking about the army is going to get them. The Lord set ambushments against Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were coming against Judah. And they were smitten. Have you ever heard where the Bible says many times the Lord will fight your battles? Well, what brings him on the scene in a greater measure? When we get together, we get out of complaining mode. Oh, woe is us mode and all that kind of stuff. And we say, Jesus, there's nothing we can do about this thing in the natural. But we're going to praise you in the spiritual. And then it says the Lord set out as bushments. The Lord set angels out there. And those angels took care of those armies. And when you read the rest of the chapter, you're going to see there's a great, great victory. And Israel came out of that thing with nobody hurt, nobody killed, and they got the wealth of those armies because God took care of it. And so as a congregation, to increase the congregational anointing, when we come together in hard times and we worship together and praise the Lord for His goodness, His mercy, God sends out angels Armies of angels all around, and God knocks out the enemy.
Amen, 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 amen. And so, you are anointed. We have anointed as preachers. The church has anointing at a higher level. But we together, as we do what we're supposed to do, but prepare ourselves, can increase that anointing. And we do. The devil, all his cohorts and his lies are no match for the anointing of God in the name of Jesus. Let's stand up and give the Lord a Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.